I'm David Irvin. I am a leadership development specialist and best-selling author, and we want to welcome you to the Leaders Navigator podcast. The premise is simple. The podcast will provide you with insights for living and leading the authentic way, so you will be better equipped to amplify your positive impact as a difference maker in any area in your life. We'll cover a variety of topics related to authenticity. We'll hear stories of how authentic leaders came to be who they are, and we will create a platform for you to submit questions you would like me to address on all the different topics we talk about here and in my books. What is uniquely special is that I'm going to be doing this podcast together with my daughter, Haley. I am super excited about this opportunity to work jointly with on this project that we are both so passionate about. So stay real. And we are just delighted to be here. Haley, it's good to see you. Good to see you too, Dad. I love this, our weekly little ritual to get together and chat, even if it's over Zoom. I, I'll take it. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. We were just talking about preparing for your wedding in about four weeks from now. So Ooh. this will be something that will inform our conversation over the summer. Definitely. And beyond. <laughs> So we have been talking about authenticity, and last week you interviewed me and sort of extracted some of my perspective and, and thinking about authenticity as it relates to my work in the leadership development field. And this week, it's your turn to be interviewed. So Ooh. I would be very curious <laughs> sure. what authenticity means to you. And this is a little bit out of context because, I mean, you've had, heard me speak several times, but you don't live in this world talking about authenticity all the time. So <laughs> I just would be really delighted to hear your take on what it means to you to live an authentic life. So let's start with what it sure. means to you and just your own story of growing into your authentic self. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I guess maybe I'll start with where I am now and I'll, and then I'll go back to where I was. Um, so I am by no means an expert in authenticity, but I work with teenagers, so I feel like I'm an expert in identity crises. Um, so, um, cause I feel like that's sort of what makes teenagers, teenagers. Uh, I'm a high school teacher at a Montessori high school, uh, in Ottawa. Um, and, uh, I think that's, I mean, certainly my day to day, um, that's my, probably my favorite part of my job, um, is helping kids kind of figure out their most authentic versions of themselves. And, and especially the, the privilege that I get to, um, you know, that's one of the joys of teaching in a Montessori school system. It's a smaller school. Um, so we're able to really help the kids where they need it. Um, a lot of our kids come to us from a variety of different places, but for wherever, for whatever reason, the, the public board or, or their previous school wasn't able to serve them the best way possible. Uh, and so we have the, the absolute luxury and the privilege of, of working in small classes getting to know kids, um, for, you know, four or five years, um, small classes, small school. So we had our graduation ceremony, for example, yesterday, uh, and one of our grade 12 students who graduated, um, I taught her for seven of eight high school semesters. So I got to know her really well and watch her grow over her four years at high school. Uh, and so I feel like, you know, that's, I would definitely say that is the biggest privilege of my job is to be able to help kids, um, you know, find themselves, find what they're good at and grow through a really turbulent time of their lives. High school is not easy. Um, it's funny that I ended up in a high, as a high school teacher, um, cause growing up middle school and high school was not easy for me. And dad, you can totally attest to this middle school, um, junior high. I was in a really 
competitive cohort. Um, I, I grew up in, in a, in small town, Alberta. Um, so, and I felt like I never really quite fit in, um, the, the, the grades that I had are the, the school, the kids I went to school with, um, I was stuck it with them from kindergarten through grade 12. I took French immersion. So there wasn't much, uh, there weren't many options, I guess, for different teachers, different classes. So I was with the same group of kids my whole life and they were quite competitive. Um, and they were, they were academic and, and intellectual in, in a specific math science focused way. Um, and so the teachers that we got were focused on math and sciences. They were focused on one way of learning. They were focused on memorizing. They were focused on test taking and standardized tests. And I just didn't learn that way. Uh, and so I, instead of finding a way that worked best for me, I instead broke down, I crumbled. I had really low sense of self. Um, and I, I truly felt like I was dumb because I was in this really hyper competitive environment that was just not made for me. Um, so I, I made do, and I, I, I did struggle through high school, but I, I found ways around it. I worked really hard. I worked with my skills. Uh, and by the time I graduated high school, I, I really felt like that struggle had been a gift fighting through that competition and coming out on top. Um, for me, I felt like was a huge, huge success for me and being able to, to go to university and, and find those ways of how I learn, explore, you know, how to advocate for myself, how to ask for help, how to talk to my teachers, get the resources I needed. Um, so in the end, I think it was, it was quite helpful, uh, but it was quite a rocky road. Um, and I think the other thing that really helped, um, in terms of, you know, resolving the mental health stuff I was dealing with and the, you know, the identity crisis, if you will, uh, of my own high school period was I discovered musical theater and band and music, um, which were huge gifts for me, um, to be able to work with really wonderful people, really wonderful teachers in my life in the music and performing arts and drama. And, um, and I, I that really helped me thrive in a positive, welcoming, inclusive community where I really felt it wasn't about competition. It was about collaboration and it wasn't about, um, you know, push, push, push and, and getting judged with a number at the end of the day. It was about, creating something and being satisfied with the creation and supporting everybody's different set of skills, the musicians, the, the tech kids, the kids making the props and the sets and the actors on stage and the dancers and the singers. Um, it was a very collaborative environment, even in band. Um, I played low brass section, but you know, all of these different instruments, different kids, different skills, and everyone comes together to create a really beautiful piece of music. So for me, those, those experience were incredible. Um, for developing that, you know, really true sense of self and, and being able to be myself in high school so that I came out, not just, I didn't just get into high school. I was able to get out at the end as well. Uh, and then those skills that I learned carry me through university and are definitely still with me now as a teacher. Um, so it's funny that, you know, this really turbulent time of my life in, in middle school and high school. Um, and I, you know, I end up right back there as a teacher. I can't really escape the high school life, even though it was quite hard. Um, struggle for me. Um, but yeah, so here I am and, and working with teenagers and I love my job and, um, and I feel like I'm, and, you know, I feel quite confident in saying this and quite proud of it, um, to say that I feel like I'm at my most authentic version of myself now, obviously it's all a work in progress and life changes. And, um, you know, obviously I'm going to shift and change through my life, but I feel like I've done the work to, to feel really satisfied with where I am. I also remember you struggling because oh. we lived in a sports town. Oh my too, gosh. And, uh, you know, the pressure was, you know, to play hockey or to play oh. soccer. And if you weren't or anything. an athlete, 
Yes. If you weren't playing something, you were on the outside. And I know how hard you yes. tried to fit in. Oh, I tried. tried I, to... Oh, man. I, I remember it was grade seven track. It was the first year that track and field was available in grade seven. And I tried out for every sport, every element I could. Obviously, I didn't do all of the running events, but I did a, several of the running events and javelin and shot put and um, all the jumping events. And I didn't make it in a single one. And that was it. I had no opportunities to, to be on the track team. Um, I, I tried dance, but I was not a dancer. So I only made it a year in that one. That again was a very hyper-competitive sport where you're judged with a number. I tried soccer, but again, I didn't quite get it. Oh, you guys were so patient with all of my changing of different sports and things, but, uh, and then you even tried too, rhythmic and, gymnastics, oh remember the gym, rhythmic yes. gymnastics stint you went through. Oh, and rugby. I tried. Oh my God. I tried so many things and swimming at one point. And, and then even to in, in high school, gym class was a nightmare. Um, and eventually I think down the line, I'd like to do some research on building a better gym class, um, that incorporates, you know, healthy and fitness ideas for kids, but isn't that hyper competitive, awful gym class that I think many, many listeners have probably experienced, uh, cause gym class is rarely a good time for anybody, especially me. Um, a little band geek, abandoned musical theater geek with no ac- with no athletic skills or coordination whatsoever uh, in a co-ed gym class with these big guys who are twice my size and football stars. And the, the gym teacher is the football coach and has no time or energy for this poor little band geek who has no coordination. Um, so yeah, it was horrible. So yeah, not, not my best time. <laughs> what was that really like inside of you oh gosh what was going on inside your head and in your heart Haley oh gosh huge feelings of insecurity of inadequacy of coming home and feeling like I wasn't good at anything um feeling that you know that I would never amount to anything couldn't imagine what kind of career I would do couldn't imagine like I, I I would you know ball the night before a test in tears I remember once um ending up in the nurse's office in middle school, um, from hyperventilating, having a panic attack during a a math test. Um, and then having to turn around right away, no support, no nothing, turn around, go away, right, right away to gym class where they were picking people for teams. And I got picked last and just feeling like there was no support there. There was no, there was no way for me to cultivate any sense of, of pride in myself and pride in my skills, any opportunity to develop those skills in a way that was healthy. Um, and yeah, and I, and I know you guys at home, like I, I really, gosh, you and mom were saints really, as I came home in tears all the time and frustrated and hated school and trying to switch schools and just, and switching activities all the time, trying to find something that I liked. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So props to you guys too, for supporting me through that. Cause yeah, it was, it was awful. <laughs> and I, you know, just really, truly believing that I wasn't good at anything, um, uh, because there was no avenues at school for me to feel like I could grow my skills. Uh, it was just this, you're not good at it. And there's no room for you to even try to get better at it. It was a really harsh environment for that. And, and where did that struggle take you? Like you, you, you just kept trying and trying and trying. What ended up in that struggle that it, before you, you had your enlightened moment when you found your place and you found your home, um, it was very hopeless, was it? It was. And I think though, honestly, props to you guys for, I think there was sort of two, two things I think that were really important. I think number one was this idea of commitment. 
of idea of committing to something for even just a year or six months to, to try it and see if it worked. And then also that you guys were flexible enough to say, Hey, you know what? Rugby was not your sport. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, what is, uh, I remember something that you guys did was you always said, didn't matter which musical instrument or what sport that we had to, as, as a kid growing up, we had to do something musical and something athletic. Um, and it didn't matter what it was. You guys were so supportive with trying new things, but I think that was really it just trying new things until I could find. And I think more than the activity, it was the community of people. I think more than anything, it wasn't the actual activity. It was the community, um, like band. I, you know, they have not touched my euphonium since grade 12, but band was such a hugely important time of my life from for six years through middle school and high school, um, because I just found a community of people that I adored and loved, even though I had no intention of pursuing band beyond high school. Um, and the same went for, you know, soccer was not a good community for me. I probably would have loved it if I had a great soccer team. I know my younger sister was hugely into competitive soccer, um, but she, she had a great community and I, in my competitive cohort, I, there was nowhere for me to, to grow and be supported in that. And it was really hard to get my in there, um, and to feel like I wanted to contribute in that Avenue. So sport that, that sport wasn't for me. Um, but I think that was it. So I think it was the twofold. I think it was committing to something until I really knew that it was not my thing. And then also that you guys gave me the, the, the luxury and the freedom to quit, um, when it was not for me and to try something different. So I think those were hugely important tools because, and that they're, they're very realistic, real life tools as well. Right. If you don't like your job, make sure, like, see if there's anything you can possibly do to make the, that job the best you possibly can. And if, if it's just not for you, that's okay to quit. It's human. It's normal. Life changes, new paths, finding new opportunities in new places. Um, so, but without quitting too soon. So, you know, balancing that, that commitment to, whatever you've joined, signed up for, but also that commitment to yourself. You also kept, you kept at it. You kept yeah. trying new things. You never yes. quit. Oh my God. So many things. <laughs> and, and that, I don't know where that tenacity came from. It was just a spirit in you. I mean, even look at my, my students always laugh at me because they ask what I studied in university. And I started in the pre-vet field wanting to do health sciences that didn't work. So then I try, I took a year off and I traveled and didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then I went back to school and thought I wanted to study business and then that didn't work out. So I studied German and I loved German, but I also loved theater and I, I loved education as a, as a way for global change. And I loved political science and sociology and anthropology and all the, so, the social sciences. And, um, but yeah, and I, I think like all of those any of courses that I took in university, none of them were a waste, even though I took a lot and spent a while at university, you know, I think it was just, you know, multi-passionate and, you know, finding, finding the good and wherever I can finding the joy and whatever, whatever I can do. And, you know, yeah. Well, well you made a, an interesting statement a while ago in mm -hmm. the first part of this is that the struggle was a gift. Yes. And I'm wondering if you could speak more to that about yeah. why, a, why struggling could be a gift. Yeah, I think, uh, and I know dad, you and I've talked a lot about anxiety as this, this little monster that both of us share this silly little monster. Um, but I, I truly feel, I think in a lot of ways that had I gone to a school, I mean, this, this high school was very competitive and it was quite soul crushing. But I also feel that if I went to a high school that took away that struggle for me, I don't think I would have come out with the same skills that I have, the self-advocacy, the trying new things, the, the perseverance, um, 
the, the fact that I know it's okay to fail because I can get back up again, um, and bouncing forward, not just bouncing back, but bouncing forward, um, when, when in these times of struggle. Um, and so, yeah, at the time, definitely not a great time, not a great thing, but honestly, the skills that I came through with afterwards have really helped me, um, you know, overcome any kind of, of struggles after that, knowing that it's, everything will be okay in the end. And, you know, you, you have these skills in your tool belt, um, you know, that, you know, I've survived this past experience. I can use that tool. Okay. Here's how I did it. You know, I reached out to my community. Okay. You know, here's how I, I can made it through this time. I asked for more help and self-advocated. Okay. So learning all of these little skills, I think, and, and now it's funny, I end up using a lot of these same lines and these like embarking these same, or, you know, teach, teaching these same skills to my students now, um, that I had learned, even though they're in a much more supportive, smaller, kinder environment. Um, but these skills are still really important. So what was your process of discovering what I'm going to call your authentic leadership? Mm. And, you know, we talked last time about leadership, that it's not a position, it's a presence. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's that ability to influence and impact the world mm -hmm. in a significant way, in an important way. How would you describe discovering mm. your authentic leadership? I think, honestly, working with kids, I think was the, the, I I've done summer camps as you know, dad throughout my whole life. And as a participant, and then as a leader as well, because I think by working with kids, by helping other people find their authentic selves and helping other people find the joy, I think that's where it, you start to realize how important that is. Even if you're not in a position where you have that luxury, anyone can, anyone you meet, like providing that kind of safe environment for people to be themselves um, without judgment, with keeping an open mind and, and supporting people, uh, and then also encouraging people to find the joy and, and you yourself finding the joy. I think this is, that's how, I, anyway, that's how I did it. I think, um, you know, seeing kids come alive in an environment, you know, that, you know, these kids who can't sit still in a classroom, but as soon as you take them outside, they're whole new kids. Um, or, you know, seeing kids that, you know, really struggle with test taking, but you ask them the same questions, the same content in an interview the next day, and they know it, they just struggle with test anxiety. So I think by finding these ways of, of, you know, finding authenticity, helping other people cultivate their own authenticity, I think in turn that helped me feel more authentic and feel more like I'm where I meant to be. So I think that was a discover, huge part. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. How did you discover you wanted to, you, you were meant to be a teacher? Oh gosh. I think it was something that you guys all knew, but I found out way late, I think. Um, but I think it was, I think it was ultimately that's, you know, it's funny. My students ask me that one all the time. Um, you know, at what point did I, you know, cause I, I work with some people who have known since they were five years old that they wanted to be in the classroom. And for me, it was sort of one that kind of just fell in, like, I kind of just fell into it as I found this school. Um, Cause I think I, I always knew I wanted to work with kids and young people, um, just because I find it, it, it's just such wonderful work and it's so fun. And it's like, I get to play every day, um, and, you know, discover new things and learn just as much about the world as I teach about the world. And it's, it's all, it's just being about that learning forever. Um, and I just love learning and, and exploring. And I think this is a great avenue to be able to do it because you're working with these people who, love to learn and explore and you're right there with them. And I, they, they teach you just as much as you can teach them. So I think that was part of it, but I did know I never wanted to work in a traditional school system. Um, I think partly probably actually truthfully because of the, you know, 
for lack of a better word, trauma that I experienced in my own traditional school system. Um, so I, I knew I, I wanted to do something, either fixing it or using education to help people. Um, there was one point in my life, I thought I wanted to go abroad and, and work in, you know, developing school systems and in, in, in different place, conflict zones and things. And I, I think that's still on my bucket list at some point in my career. Um, but then I found this school that teaches differently and aims to meet the kid where they are and help these kids succeed. And it's not a traditional classroom. It's, it's much more putting the kid first and, and being more of a mentoring role as opposed to a, a dictatorship, you know, lecturing kind of role and, um, trying new ways of teaching and having the luxury and the, the resources of that, that I, I really recognize that public school just does not have the resources and the luxury of small class sizes and, um, you know, cool new tech and, and things in the luxury of not, of having a fully supportive, trusting administration to know that when I'm trying new teaching methods, they're fully in support of it. Cause I know that that's, that's not a normal thing. And I really recognize my privilege there. Um, but yeah, I think that's, yeah. So just being able to, to, you know, learn just as much from kids as I, you know, as I did at university, as I did while traveling, they're just, I just love learning. I think that's where I learned. I wanted to be a teacher. And, and you're, you take a pay cut by not being yeah. in a, in the standard definitely regular school system, but you, you have to do, you have to work, you know, in my words, I think we talked last episode yeah. about fitting people, not fixing people yes. instead of straightening yourself out to fit into this system, yes. the system, the system flows with your gifts and that your gifts uh, bring value to the system and the system brings value to your gifts and you you collaborate together and fuel each other's creativity mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. pure essence in my words. Mm -hmm. How would you word that? I think just like that, right? Like it's, it's, it's about more than just it's compensation for me is not just always financial for me. Compensation is being able to work in an environment where everybody wants to be there because everyone's taking a little bit of a pay cut. So everybody has the same philosophy. Um, compensation also means that, you know, I can take kids on a trip, you know, and I myself get to go canoeing. Um, and that also is compensation. It's, it's working in a place where I feel fulfilled and excited to get to go to work every day. Um, it's working in a team where everybody believes in this cause and believes in the kids and believes in the families. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's about finding compensation that is worth your philosophy. So for some people that is financial and then their, their true, you know, authentic selves can come outside of the workplace and it can come when they're, you know, constructing furniture or studying birds or spending time with their kids for them. That's their, that's where, where their authentic self comes. And for other people, some, because not everyone's able to have the privilege of, of loving what they do at work. And I think that's okay. Um, as long as they find something in their life that they can feel sustains them or they can be their true self, you know? So I'm just lucky to find it at work. And I know that's a really rare thing. <laughs> well, that's what I call the difference between a vocation and an avocation. If you yeah. find your true self at work, we call that a vocation. Yeah. And if you find it away from your paid work, we call that an avocation. And it, mm -hmm. it's the same experience. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's real blessing. You know, you and I both have this, you know, this, we're blessed to have this and, you know, get paid for what we do and that what yeah. we love. But yeah. what you're saying is it's important, really critical to find an environment that really fits for you. So I have, you know, I have a question around how did you, how did you identify what that authentic mm -hmm. 
-hmm. what that authenticity is. Is there, can you articulate looking back, how did you come to that, to know so clearly that this is what you were meant to do and the environment that you were meant to work in? I think it was something that I felt satisfaction, the satisfaction matched the work involved for me that I was getting just as much out of it as I was putting into it. So I think, and I found it not just from work, but I found it from a variety of different places too. Like with running, that's been a hugely important hobby of mine. Uh, And it is a lot of work, but for me, the satisfaction that comes out of it, you know, I'm not the best runner in the world. I'm not a competitive elite runner. Absolutely not. But for me, the satisfaction that comes, the personal satisfaction, that's part of it. Right. And, and feeling personally satisfied based on the work that I'm putting in. Same with this job. Um, I, I work a lot, but the, the satisfaction that comes from it is worth it. Um, whereas I find like a lot of people are in these places that they're working really hard, but they're not getting anything out of it. And I think that's where it's really easy to feel like you're not your best self. You're not your true self because you're working and working and working and it's not giving you anything back. Um, but as soon as you can get feeling satisfied from the work that you're doing, you know, whether, even if it's, you know, for, for, you know, musical talents that I had in high school or not talents, but skills, I guess that I worked really hard for, I felt satisfied from it. Um, and so it was, it was finding that two-way relationship with that, with that hobby. Um, and I think that's where, and finding that it wasn't just for me, cause it's not just, I love my job. Yes. But that's only one part of who I am. It's also the relationships I have that again, the work I'm putting into those relationships are satisfying and, and they're, they're returning. So I found that that was really part of my authentic self too. And the community that I have, um, and running and, you know, um, writing, uh, I really, really enjoy writing. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to be a best-selling novel novelist. I know I'm not just like, I know I'm not going to go and break world records with marathon running. I know that, but for me, it's deeply personally satisfying and matches the amount of work that I put in. Um, and so I feel satisfaction. I feel like it's a sense of commitment. It's discipline. And I feel really good about myself having completed these goals that I set for myself. And so I think that it's, it's recognizing the multifacets of, of authenticity. It's, it's recognizing, not just you as your job and that's it. Cause yes, I'm a teacher, but that's, that's only part of who I am. Um, and you know, and, and recognizing the multifacets and also that I really enjoy the work while I'm doing it. Maybe not all, all times, but you know, the, the times that it feels really good, it feels really good. So a really, I, I know I've mentioned this before, but Alexi Pappas is a, is a runner that I follow. Um, and she, she always says, you know, it should, it should be one third, one third, one third. So you should feel really great. One third of the time you should feel okay. One third of the time and really crappy one third of the time. But if you're feeling crappy hundred percent of the time, why are you doing it? Or even if you're feeling crappy two thirds of the time, why are you doing it? So it, it's really gotta be, you know, you got to push yourself outside your comfort zone, but also be satisfied with the work that you're doing. Well, there's so much more I want to ask you. Um, and, and, you know, I, I want to talk to you about our mental health challenges that both oh, of yeah. us have experienced. I think that'll be a topic for another day, but, but to wrap this up today, yeah, for sure. what I want to ask you is you had a graduation last night. I sure did. <laughs> and I just want you to speak to what really is gratifying in your work and why is this so deeply, deeply satisfying? Um, I had, it was our first normal graduation since 2019. And, you know, I, I didn't recognize, I think what an important, like I, I knew it was an important milestone for the students, but just what an important milestone it is for the entire community of having that sense of closure. Um, and to be able to, you know, give your students, I love the hug handshake 
hug, handshake, or high five goodbye. Uh, cause some students are like, yep, I just want to handshake. Great. No problem. Or some just say I'll take a wave, uh, which is fine too. But you know, to see these kids, you know, these really tough, popular, academic, athletic, brilliant, wonderful human beings that I've taught for the last four years, many of which for one, at least a quarter of their day, if not half their day with the courses and the, the, the nature of the small school, um, to be able to see them crying tears of joy, bittersweet feelings of joy and sadness at the same time as they walk out to the parking lot with their parents, um, just that they're so sad to leave but also that they're leaving and that's okay. And we've prepared them for that, that, you know, they know that they want to come back and visit and they will come back and visit, but also that they don't need us anymore, that we've reached them in this place that, you know, they're at this important place that they're choosing to leave, but they've done it. They've achieved it. They're able to walk away. Um, and it's, they can also have these feelings of, of sadness as they leave and this important milestone of their childhood coming to an end and to feel to be a chapter in that is incredibly deeply gratifying. I know I, I remember only a handful of my high school teachers, but I still remember them and I think of them all the time, right? And I hope I can be that to these kids, but just to be just the privilege of being one of their many life teachers is really cool. Um, and to know that they're going to be okay at university or, or college or traveling or whatever they end up doing next year, right? That, you know, we'll be here if they need us, but they don't, they won't need us you know, is a really cool thing. So I just feel like it's such an honor and a privilege to be able to thank parents, thank the community, thank these students for, you know, for their time at our school, but then also to send them on their way. It's pretty cool. I'm pretty lucky. <laughs> well, you know, it speaks to actually my deep satisfaction as I, mm -hmm. you can't imagine as a father, what it's like to hear your daughter find her place. <laughs> and took a find long time <laughs> essence and live you know and really be launched in a world where you know that uh she belongs oh thanks really <laughs> using your gifts it brings me a deep deep sense of satisfaction now to wrap this up i'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit but right. you shared a very beautiful card with yeah. about, with one of, one of your students and what oh, she shared yes. with you and i don't know if you care to share that sure um, so this was a student that I taught for seven of the eight semesters of her high school. Um, and she struggles with, with cerebral palsy, among other things, like this really resilient, wonderful, wonderful student. Um, and yeah, she just, she, she mentioned to me that, you know, she talked about how, um, you know, this year has been tough, but you know, you've been there by my side and there for me. Thank you for everything. You've made a huge impact on me. I thrive to be a teacher like you one day, which is such a gift to hear that from her. Um, she is hoping to pursue teaching, um, but to just see that, you know, here's this resilient, wonderful, kind, wonderful student who wants to then, you know, paying it forward. Right. Um, I just think is such, such a gift. Um, anyway, and she just is, is grateful for the impact that our school and, and teaching and everything has had on her. And so I'm just really, really grateful, um, that she was able to share that too. Cause I think that's a lot of times that, you know, a lot goes unsaid, but just how important it is to say those things and to express gratitude to those you love. And, um, just cause it's, it's important for the, to express the gratitude for, for you, but then also to, for the other person to hear that as well. Um, it's just really special. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for, insp for inspiring me today with your oh, story. You. And uh, I just look forward to digging more deeply into this material. Thank I hope you. that uh, our listeners have been uh, 
uh, as inspired in, in some <laughs> to some degree as I have today. And me. But I know I'm a little I'm a little biased as your father, so I'm really I'm really really uh, inspired. Me too, Dad. Thank before you. we go, uh, before we go, what are you grateful for, Dad? Our usual. Oh my gosh, we got to do our gratitude. <laughs> well, I am grateful that you have found your gift in this world. Oh, That's what I'm grateful for today. Thanks, and that I'm Dad. grateful that you're that you have found such joy in your <laughs> life and in your career and in your relationship <laughs> and in this upcoming wedding. I was just sharing with you that before the uh before, what this last couple of days I've been writing my speech that what I'm going to say at your wedding. <laughs> And so I'm just enormously grateful that you have found love in your life and that you have found mm. love in your work. And it's just a thrill beyond words. <laughs> and I'm grateful for you to, for you giving me these opportunities to try new things as I grew up. And uh, yeah, just grateful for the community of people I've, I've built in my life from you guys, my family and my fiance and my friends. And just, it's really wonderful to find a community of people that support you. So, yeah. All right. Well, take care, everybody. Stay real. And we'll see you next episode. Take care.